0: Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, good evening, everyone. Oh boy, good evening. Oh, I love always being uh, speaking to teenagers after they've had a full meal and a full day. Because you have a pulse of a rock. How are you? Good. Thanks, Joel. You You good? Good. Have you had a good weekend? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a good, come on, a youth conference. Are you having fun? Yes. Some spirit in the house. Perfect. So for those who do not know me, my name's Aaron Young. I um, hail from... uh, I'm like the only speaker this weekend does not hail right now from Northgate, but my roots are from Northgate, it's my home assembly, uh, many times here, I haven't lived here, I, I thought about it today when I walked in here, um, this room seems smaller than I remember, I, I haven't lived here in 12 years, um, I've actually, I'm going to be 30, so we're getting to that time where I'm almost halfway like, been in Rochester, haven't been in Rochester, blah blah blah, but um, it's good to be back. It's good to be back and be with you all. Um, Our brother John Benson and I, when we were praying, uh, it's always amazing that the Lord himself, right, there's what, 30 of you? Is that how many people are here? Somewhere around there. Um, That the precious hands of the Savior of the world has placed each one of us here to hear something this weekend. Right, I mean, it's sort of like, we, we sort of have to start there, that there's 7.7 billion people in the world, and somehow, some way, the God of heaven has placed you in these spots right here to somehow hear something about himself. Whose kid is that? <laughs> um, right, but it's an amazing thing, right? That the, the God of heaven sees you, sees your heart, knows how many hairs are on your head, and he cares about the hearts of each one here. He cares about what you think of him. He cares about what's going on in your life, as we heard about this morning. We have a God who loves us beyond all comprehension and somehow has brought us here to have another moment where we can learn something about himself. I mean, isn't that a privilege? Like, an honor, really, right? And I'm not saying, believe me, listening to me is not the honor here, okay? The the honor, see, you're laughing because some of you know me. But, right, the honor is that we can open his word and hear the words of the precious one, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter six. Um, I sort of like this uh, system in which we have the speakers because, like, I'm doing like one message, so like I can throw a grenade, pull it, and throw it, and be like, "Have a good night, everyone!" <laughs> Smooches and deuces, right? I can like go out, throw the grenade, like you know, and um. And of course, like Saturday night, we all know what kind of messages these are, right? The ones that get to the fields and um, all of these things. And um, <laughs> I think the the subject matter of this is something that's really personal to me and to many people, and it will be personal to you one day. Okay. The word that for what I have tonight is stay. Right. The first word that Caleb had was what? Stop. 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 With some passion. Stop. Right. The second word that Ian had was. See. Oh, yes. And I'm going to do. Stay. Uh, three people are listening. Yes, I'm going to do stay. Yes, I'm going to do stay. Um, I think a lot of times and, and some of you have been counselors at camp and different things. Um, One of the passages we're going to talk about tonight is John chapter four, and um, this goes for all of us. We we are called to plant seeds, and I'm not ignorant that some of the things that I'm going to talk about tonight are things that you can't understand today. But as servants of the Most High One, as servants of Christ, our job is not to decide what kind of seed we're throwing. Sometimes the seed we're throwing are bulbs. And the thing about bulbs is sometimes you plant that bulb and it grows in another season. And mark my words, the message tonight might be a word or a seed that's going to grow in a time of your life that isn't today. And maybe it is. We leave that to the Holy Spirit. That's why we ask him to be here and we expect when we gather, right, when we come together that when God is in our midst, we need him because he's gonna bring alive, as it says in Hebrews chapter four, the word of God into a way that's gonna be practical to you. So I wanna start over in John chapter six, and I wanna make sure, because I know as time goes on, you shut down, especially on a Saturday night. So I wanna make sure I get the, the, the passage that really is pricking my heart tonight, the thing that's convicted me, and if it convicts you, praise God. But over in John chapter six, verse 67, and yeah, we're gonna read the other verses, but I want you to just focus on this. Verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you get one thing out of this message tonight, I want you to focus on some of the questions that are here. First question. Someone tell me. In verse 67, what's the first question? Shout it out. 67. Do you want to go his way as, well? as well? What does your version say? You right. Are you going to go? Because as you're going to find out early in the passage that there are people who abandoned the Lord. And we don't know. I mean, some, I mean, we can assume forever. We, I, I don't know. But people who were following the Lord somehow made a decision and said, enough's enough. And Christ looks at his disciples, the ones who are walking with him, the ones that saw him make the lame walk, the dead rise again. These are the same people. And he looks at them and he says, are you going to leave also? And what's Peter's reply in verse 68? Shout it out. Where should we go? Christ, where are we going to go? Like, where are we going to go? Because why? Only you have what? What does the passage say? only you have eternal life. Only you have eternal life. See, I I have the privilege of picking up where Ian left off today about the storms of your life. And and, and I teach teenagers. I teach about 200 students. I'm a choir teacher. Yes, this is the music teacher 2.0 today, right? this part two, rather. I'm not the better version. Um, And I know for a fact that One of the things I love about teaching high schoolers is it's one of the first times in your life that you feel like everything's falling apart. See, nobody talks about this, right? Because when you're a teenager, for some of you, it's the first time where you go, "This situation really sucks. I don't know if it's gonna be okay." Anybody relate to this? Anybody brave enough? Thank you. Thank you. Right? But like the situation, and then you get to college, and it don't get much better. (laughs) And there is mountains after mountains. When you climb the mountains, you get up sometimes to the top of the mountain range and you see there's a whole place of mountains just waiting for you in your whole life. And you wonder if you have the strength to keep going on the journey. And my friends, I'm telling you, this is no exception in the Christian life. There are mountains, as we were reminded of this morning, storms of life that will take your affections, will take your world and turn it upside down. But what's the encouragement it said in 1 Peter? What's the encouragement it says in the book of James? That your faith, that God has this purpose, divine purposes, eternal purposes, that He always has a purpose of why He's allowing your whole world to come turning upside down. It's not because He's cruel, it's not because He's bored, and it's not because He's forgotten you. It's because the God of heaven is smart. See, God is not just all-knowing. He's smart, and he knows the things that he needs to allow for his glory and your good. See, I'm a thick-headed person myself. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a thick-headed person. God, When God needs to do a work in my life and get my attention, I get a Category 5 hurricane, because that's all I can resonate with, and that's the only thing that can break me, because I'm stubborn. And there are moments where you will be challenged Where God, and frankly, it's really our flesh, asks this. Am I going to keep doing this Christian thing? Am I going to stay with God in the midst of all these things? Because X, Y, and Z are happening. And are you going to be like Peter in verse 68 who says what? Where else are we going to go? Only you. Only you have the way, the words to eternal life. Only God has the hope that your soul is desperately looking for. Because here's the fact of the matter is life is tough. Life is not always fun. In fact, I'm going to tell you a harsh truth is that sometimes the Christian life and signing up to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is the thing that makes it tough. Tough. Because what did Christ promise you? Did he say it was going to be buttercups and rainbows and unicorns are going to be popping out? Is that what Christ said? No, he said what? That they're going to hate you for my name's sake. He's going to, you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. He who desires to keep his life will lose it, but he who desires to lose his life will what? Find it. He'll save it. Christ takes all these things from the world and turns it completely upside down. And only he has the way to eternal life, which of course is through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you go over to verse 41 earlier in the chapter, let's look at it. Verse 41. The Lord Jesus Christ starts making some statements. Someone read, if you would, uh, nice and loud where you are. Verse 41, please. Of John 6. Thanks, Ethan. I am the bread that comes down from heaven. It's really interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ, as the passage goes on, calls himself a few things. I want you to scroll through. He doesn't just call himself the bread of heaven. What else does he say? That he is. He's the bread of life. Right. He's the bread of life. And then what else does it say? He doesn't just talk about the bread. He talks about what? Okay. He talks about the manna from heaven. Awesome. What else do you see? Living bread. bread. Great. What else do you see? There's more than just bread. Living Living water. Thank you. Right. Living water. What verse did you see that in? Yes, eating flesh. Oh boy, now it's getting real. Because now we hear cannibalism and now we go whoop. Right? We see living water. We see the flesh. We see the blood. We see all these things. And the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you what. If I was sitting there and he all of a sudden says this statement, unless you eat my body and you drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. Excuse me? Right? (laughs) That at least should perk up our souls and our ears to go... I know Jesus is not a cannibal. And I mean this reverently, but look at what the question was. They had this question in verse 42. What does it say? The Jews quarreled among themselves and said, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And what does Jesus go on to say? Most assuredly, I say to you in verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is... Is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Does anybody want this? Yeah. Yes? Yes? Well, why do you want it? Why, why do you want it? Eternal life. Eternal life. You see, because that's the amazing thing. I, I don't know about everybody here. I don't know if you're like an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's my camp work life. I just assume nothing because all of us know the right answer. Sort of actually like this, this passage. The Jews, whether they believed in God or not, were supplied by the God of heaven about manna. But unless they ate the manna, they didn't live. See, there's people around here who know about manna, but have never tasted the manna for themselves. You see where I'm going with this, right? There are people who know about Christ, who see the bread of life and can acknowledge that maybe Jesus was something special, but he's nothing special to me. Why? Because I've never tasted. I've never eaten of the bread, which is clearly a spiritual metaphor, not a physical thing. It's it's not about communion, per se, right? The bread in the cup or breaking of bread, Lord's Supper, whatever you call it within your own church. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the spiritual concept of relationship and full belief with the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, everybody wants this. Even if you don't believe in God, everybody wants eternal life. Why? Well, because nobody sits at a funeral and says, wow, this is normal. Right? I mean, nobody comes into a funeral and goes, wow, this just feels right. I have peace with this. This is awesome. I've never seen an atheist come into a funeral going like, hey, party, woohoo! Never seen it. Do you know why? Because there's something within us that says, this is not natural. I mean, right? Our brother Caleb shared this about the garden. The intention of God all the way back in the garden was relationship and intimacy. It has never changed. It's never changed. It's always been God's intention since the beginning of time is that each one of us would have an intimate, personal relationship with the God of heaven, with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That has always been his intention. He desires this for each one of us to to taste of the bread. And what does that mean? A personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to have personal belief, not in fact, like the manna from heaven? Yeah, it's not to say, yeah, I know God died on the cross, right? Because Satan knew that. I mean, right? I mean, the devil, Satan, believes that Jesus died on the cross. Does he not? I, I'm pretty positive he does. And, and doesn't, according to Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted for 40 days, does, does Satan not know scripture? So, what is different with you? I mean, do you see where I'm going here? It just can't stay in head knowledge, folks. It's got to go to knowing the person of Christ, the person in this book, in an intimate, personal way. Just as you and I, I'm making eye contact with all of you, the God of heaven wants to have that with you personal relationship. Not just when you're talking at him, but to have listening. And the only way to have relationship, again, is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing that he died on the cross for our sins. That he was buried and he rose again, according to the scriptures found in 1 Corinthians. This is important stuff. And so some of you, I know know some of you are all of a sudden going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm starting to compute and reflect in my own life. Yes, that's what this—that's what these conferences are meant to do. Am I actually in the faith? Have I actually ever had a relationship with Jesus Christ, or is it just a—a a fact like two plus two is four? I had one brother once who, who—who who said this. He's like he—he he prayed. He said, "Lord, what's your favorite color?" And I'm like sitting there, like you know, when you open your eyes and you're like, "This guy's wacko!" Like what? What? Like, right? But man, I, and I eventually, he kept praying. It was a guy in college. And I went up to him. And I'm like, why are you praying about this? And he goes, because wouldn't I ask anybody else as a friend of myself what their favorite color is? I want to know my best friend's favorite color. Because it had to do with the relationship. See, it's not about just running to God when everything's going wrong. It's about running to him when everything's going right. Every day bowing before the God of heaven because of relationship with him. And that's what God wants. That's what Christ's desire is in this passage. Is for him and for each one of us to share relationship, an intimate relationship. Go over to verse 60. What happens? Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And in verse 61, we see these moments a few times in the scriptures where Jesus... He I mean it's sort of like when God asks Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? I mean, don't I mean, does God not know where they are? I mean, did, did he forget? No, he didn't forget. He's all knowing. He knows exactly where they are. And Jesus did this a lot of times. He asks questions and he has conversations, or there's a time when he read people's minds and read people's hearts and this place was no exception because he says when Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this, notice it says disciples, it's not just the 12 disciples, it's multiple people. This is not just Peter, John, James, the whole gamut. It has to do with people who were walking with Christ. People who were amazed by the things that he was saying. People who actually were like, There's something intriguing about this guy, but then we find out later, what does it say? Go on with the passage. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Is there something about this that is the problem? What then if you should see the son of man ascend where was he before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life but there are some of you who do not believe. I mean... That is an interesting phrase. There were people following Jesus, but people who actually didn't believe in him. That's what I'm saying. That's Satan. Satan is someone who... It doesn't... What do I mean by that? Satan is someone who knows the facts. And we know what his end is. He, he knows what his end is. He knows he's lost. It says in the book of Revelation that after a thousand years, he'll be released more, once more, and then he'll be put away for all eternity. Bestseller. You're interested? Go read it. But that is my question for all of us, is sometimes I wonder if, do you come to youth conferences? Do you go to church on Sunday? Do you play the games? because you know there's something different about Jesus, but you have never sincerely believed and asked God to forgive you of your sins. It happens. Or let's take another step because this whole message is about staying in intimacy with Christ. I wanna share a story of a sister that I knew in college. Um, She loved the Lord, had a sincere fire for missions. She wanted to be a missionary, a linguist in South America in the country of Peru, had a heart. Came to Houghton College, my alma mater, um, with the intent to serve the king of kings in a foreign land. Her favorite song was an old song called uh, Refiner's Fire. Do you know that song? Purify my heart. Right, what do the words say? The, The chorus says, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will." Her favorite song. And see, we sort of like these times, we can sing these songs, right? But that is is a hard song to sing, to open up our hearts and to be vulnerable before the God of heaven and literally say, Lord, I need you to bring down the fire of heaven to change my heart, to be fit for your use. The fires of heaven. Do you think that's hot? Do you think that's going to hurt? I'm thinking so. I'm thinking that when God gets involved with our lives and it says that he corrects those he loves, you think it's going to be a picnic? It's not going to be a picnic. Because you know what happened to this friend in college? I won't go into all the details because it's not important. But um, She had some foster siblings. Uh, she lived in Canada in Ontario. Um, An an instance happened, and all of her siblings had to be taken away. She, to this day, is not following Christ anymore because of one moment. One moment. Sort of like in this story. They all were following Jesus, and the one moment they didn't understand what was going on, what happens? They walk away. I don't, what I'm about to say, I, I don't want to scare you, but I want to scare you. To fear the Lord and to run to him because I'm telling you right now, what I'm about to say is the truth, your day will come. There will be a circumstance in which God allows in your life to turn your world upside down and to really figure out if your faith is really all it's cracked up to be. Just like Peter, remember Peter? What did he say to Jesus? I'm gonna, I would die for you. I would go to the grave. I would do anything. And he says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then we know from the story, some of us, right? If you're not familiar with the story, that's okay. Because the story goes like this. There's a man named Peter. He denies him. People go, hey, di- weren't you with Jesus? He goes, nope, never seen him. Got- Nope, don't know who he is. And he does that three times, and it says immediately the rooster crowed, and he looked into the eyes of the Savior, and he wept bitterly. Because I'm telling you, sort of like Ian was reminding us this this morning, until you go through the fires of life, we, not even we, you don't know if your faith is all it's cracked up to be. Because we're fickle. We are unconditional, sorry, we are conditional lovers. The Lord is unconditional. He has agape love, love that we don't have to like, depend on or have its grace and its love freely given. So no matter what, he's got you. But us, oh, we'll show up and we'll do exactly what we need to do and, and say all the right things. And all of a sudden, one thing happens in your life, I'm out. Your time will come where the life challenges you And you have to ask yourself if you're going to be a real disciple. Because as the passage goes on, what does it say? Verse 65, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. And in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Who's been to Camp Lilo live before? Oh, look. A lot of us. This is my 20th summer at camp. I started going to camp in 2002, my 20th summer. The truth of the matter is, is that the people who were there in 2002 are not there in 2022. Because life sometimes gets hard and for reasons, don't get me wrong, they're not all bad dramatic reasons. Some of us like have lives and I used, to, I used to, like, go to camp for seven weeks, and my knees can't do it, okay? I, I don't have the energy like I used to, like, back in the day, because I'm wise and sleep is actually attractive at 30 compared to us at 20. Hashtag Red Bull, right? Um. <laughs> but the other fact, and the fact that's an ugly fact, is that some people that I know who sincerely served with me at camp no longer want anything to do with the Savior, Now, we know from the scripture it says that he who says in his heart that he believes in no God is a fool. But I'm going to challenge each and every one of you, and I'm going to tell you what I believe, because there have been a few circumstances in my life. I'm not going to sit here, like stand here and lie to you. There have been circumstances that I have considered walking away from the Lord. Why? Because I was so afraid of what the next mountain would be. Because there was a season in my life where I looked at my heart and I saw the ugliness of my sin and I saw who I was before a holy God and I said, I don't know if I can take this. Because in order to change your heart, the Lord has to do dramatic things. Hopefully, as it says in, I believe, 1 Peter chapter 5, humble yourselves under the sight of God and he will what, lift you up in due time. I pray that that's all of our hearts. I pray that we would humble ourselves first and quickly before the God of heaven so He doesn't need to allow storms and just crud to happen in your life. But sometimes there are just things, even the most holy of people, that storms come. And they will come. The question is are, are, are you going to run from the Lord? There's one sister right now in in my life that is going through this right now. She wants to walk away from everything, from everybody. And she says she doesn't believe in God anymore. You know what? Frankly, I don't believe her. I think she absolutely believes in God. That's why she's running. See, it's it's Jonah syndrome, right? Jonah, oh, Lord, I'll do anything. I'll serve you. See if you go to Nineveh. Nope, I don't understand. Therefore, I'm going to go to Tarshish, the exact opposite because I don't want to do what you want. I'm not going to do it your way. Sure, you've been faithful. Sure, I've liked all of your other messages. But this message, unless you eat my body and drink of my blood, whatever that thing is for you that the Lord convicts you of in your life, you're going to run. Because your flesh doesn't want this. You think it's fun? I mean, how many of you got spankings growing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we look back on those times with just so much bliss. Um, no, we don't. It's not fun. It's not meant to be fun. But parents do it because they love you, because they want you to be better than you were 10 minutes ago when you got on their last nerve. I, this is the truth. They want you to be better. And if they're godly parents, they want you to be like Christ. That's, that's the goal, and, and God is of no exception. He allows discipline in our lives. He, he gets intimately involved with our lives. And typically the question I get from young people when I do a message like this is they ask, well, Aaron, how do you know what it is? And the honest truth is I can't tell you. I can tell you in my life how I have recognized maybe after the storm, sometimes you've got to go through the storm and enjoy the sunny Bahama day to be like, oh, that hurricane, it's because he loved me. But mark my words, unless you are brave enough and courageous enough to get through the storm, you will never know. You will never know what God was up to. Because if you walk away from Christ, you'll never know what Christ was up to. The only thing that's going to satisfy your soul when you're going through these hard times is to push on and hold the hand of the Father who loves you. And to go through that storm. And one day when the storm is over, because remember I told you like, my, one of my favorite things is to talk to teenagers. Because what do adults always tell you? Especially when it has to do with relationships or anything. You'll get through it. It's okay, the sun's going to shine again. How do you know it's going to shine again? You have never had a cloudy storm in your life. But you have to trust some crusty adult in your life to come in and actually tell you it's going to be okay. But after you live a few more years and you've gone through some storms, you start to believe that more and more and more. But the moment you walk away from the Lord in the midst of the storm, you'll never know. You'll never know. You've got to walk with Christ. And when you want to abandon him, hold his hand even tighter because you've got to be like Peter. Where else are we going to go? Is there anything else in this life that has any promise of the next? I, I, I don't see anything else that the world is offering me. Sure, there's some other things about, I don't know, reincarnation. I don't want to come back as a zebra. That's not helpful for me. But what is helpful for me is when I go to a funeral, that when Christ says, just as I live, you will live also. Ah. Or John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then later in the passage, and when I come again, I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. It is the only thing that gives hope. The only thing. So I want to be practical, go over to John chapter 4, and then I'm done. John chapter 4 is the story of the Samaritan woman. I believe a woman who has this experience. In fact, Christ has a parallel of this, and he says about living water in this passage. Living water. Uh, Verses 13 and 14. Can someone read that of John chapter 4 nice and loud? Who's got it? Right. Thanks, Rachel. Right? It, it's <laughs> he gives this concept again to this woman, a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan woman, which, for context, the Lord Jesus is up on this mountain by himself at this well with a woman, which there's so many no-nos to the world in this whole passage. Alone with a Samaritan woman, that's sort of like the race you didn't talk to in this day and age. And He's alone having an intimate experience, like I've been talking about for the last few minutes. An intimate experience with this woman on the mountain. Why? Because it says earlier in verse 4. Can someone read it? It's one of my favorite passages in all scripture. Verse 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. Say it one more time. But he needed to go through Samaria. One more time, Joel. It's just so good. But he needed to go through Samaria. But he needed to go through Samaria the God of heaven decided to go the long way to have an intimate, personal experience with this woman on a mountain. Dare I say that the Lord Jesus Christ this weekend is daring to have a moment with you if you let him. You see, though, because this is what I'm talking about. If you if you are still with the person of Christ, if you come to the Lord and you say, like my friend did in college, refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be wholly set apart for you, then the Lord's gonna say, Game on, let's go. And he's gonna start revealing things in your heart that are pretty ugly. And if you're anything like I was in my late teens, in my early 20s, I go, Lord. Change my heart, and he goes, well, what about that dark thing in the corner? And I'm like, but not that. You can deal with this stuff that I'm willing to confess, but what about that? We're not talking about that sin. We're talking about this stuff, because I'm telling God how to do his job. Anybody guilty of that in the room? Because the Samaritan woman is there and she says in verse 15 look at this with me the woman said to him sir give me the water that i may not thirst nor come to draw because everybody wants this everybody wants living water and she jesus says good go call your husband and tell him to come here oh yeah it's going to get yeah watch this watch this okay verse 17 the woman answered and said i have no husband and Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you have spoke truly. Soiks! See, the woman wanted living water, and Jesus said, perfect. You want living water? Intimacy with me? Relationship? We're going to deal with this sin right now. Go and call your husband. I have no husband. Yeah, you're right. Because you are that woman in town who's had five. Now, this woman had a choice. If it was me, those secret dark sins that nobody wants to talk about, because remember, she's alone with this man up on the top of a mountain. And, and her response is, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> There's something a little different about you. But see, she had a choice. Either she's gonna run the other way and tell this man to mind his business, but that's not what she does because she's desperate. I mean, can you think about how desperate this woman was that maybe nobody talked to her because everybody knew in town who she was? Nobody's talking to this woman. Nobody wants anything to do with this woman because if you hang out with this woman, you might be perceived as that person too. See, 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 this is a, a socially dangerous person that the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to hang out with and have intimacy with in a personal, spiritual way to know her heart. Because nobody wants anything to do with her heart. All they want is her body. But this man, alone on the mountain, comes for her heart and sees her as she is. And he says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you are neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship, in verse 22, what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And verse 26, I who speak to you am the Lord Jesus Christ didn't even reveal himself so clearly even to his own people but this woman who's not even a Jew a Samaritan woman the woman who has five husbands was willing to sit and not run and look at the beautiful truth that was revealed to her storms aren't all about the emotions this is a storm in her life in my personal opinion because it was starting to reveal the things I mean it's sort of like when a hurricane comes to like a cottage by the ocean, you're going to figure out real well and real quickly how well the safety mechanisms are on that thing, right? When you're washing away, you're like, I don't think this worked well, right? You're going to figure it out. And so what is the response? I'll leave you with this. At this point, his disciples came and marveled, right? The disciples were like, oh boy, we don't understand this. Why is he talking to this woman? I know why. Verse 4. Because he had to go through Samaria. Because he has divine purposes. He, he doesn't owe these guys anything. But in verse 28, the woman that left her water pot went into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I had ever did. Could this be the Christ. Picture this, the woman that probably nobody wanted to talk to, wanted nothing with, rushes into the city, and could you man, I mean, if I was walking down the street, and like, I'm a married man, and all of a sudden this woman who has like had five husbands is like coming towards me, what do you think I'm going to do? Ha, hi, no, I'm running, because I'm, but she doesn't care. She doesn't care what anybody else thinks of her, because she has experienced the, the, the one who can give living water, and she's got to go tell everybody about it, which is where John... Benson is going to pick up tomorrow morning. If you're sitting here right now and you're someone in a different, few different camps, maybe you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. Maybe you're someone who's never tasted the bread of life or the living water. Today's the day. I'm telling you, you're, you're sacrificing an adventure of a lifetime by not asking Christ to save you. You're sacrificing the best life. You think your life is good. You haven't seen nothing yet. Maybe you're someone who has been saved, but as it says the manna, how, how often did the manna come to feed the Israelites? Every day. Every day. So you think that you are just supposed to come to the cross and feast on the bread of life on the first day you believe? Some of you haven't been there in years. The bread of life comes down daily, moment by moment, desiring to be Consumed. And some of you haven't talked to Christ or had an interest in Christ since your fire insurance paperwork got through. I'm not going to hell. Who cares? I live my life. I do what I do. Maybe that's where you are. You are are missing eternal life. Eternal life isn't about when you're dead. It's about the moment you believe. It's about experiencing something better than you're experiencing today. Maybe that's where you are in that camp. I don't know where you are but i'm i'm praying for you the people of this conference are praying for you because we want you to experience christ in a different way you're not at this conference to pat yourself on the back and say i'm doing what i'm doing and i'm doing well you're at this conference to reveal the things of your heart and to stop as caleb said and said am i holy for he is holy." And if you can honestly sit there, including myself, and we can kid ourselves to think that I am as holy as the God of the universe, then we are not done yet. And there's work to be done. Have you sat still in the presence of Christ? Have you opened his word recently with open hearts, with still minds, sitting there, waiting for him to speak to you? When's the last time you did that? Have you ever done it? Have you ever devoured this book looking for the heart of Christ? Have you ever gone through an experience in your life, and I promise you it will come, where you're going to want to run from the Lord? Are you going to be like Peter? And say to yourself, but where else would I go? Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence just grateful for your word. For your love. For the intimacy and the kindness and and your faithfulness that you desire to show each one of us. Father, we are a fickle people. <laughs> we're, we are such a people that when things go wrong, we blame you, we're angry with you. We could be good for 99 days, but that one day would define our faith and we might just walk away. And I pray, Father, just as your son, the Lord Jesus, prayed for Peter, as we're reminded of this morning to pray for their faith. We, we pray for each other's faith, Father, that we'll be able to withstand into the day where you call us all home. Because life is hard. Sin is messy, but we know that your word says that you can redeem all things. You can bring beauty to all things, and so we pray, Father, if there's someone here who's considering or secretly not walking with you, maybe there's someone who's just going through the motions in this room, someone who knows all the right answers, but isn't partaking of the daily manna of the person of Christ. We pray, Father, that we would repent, that we would change our minds, we would agree with you, and we would be willing to be changed and and to accept the storms, to be sanctified, to become holy, Father, like you. We pray that we would not run, but we'd be like the Samaritan woman who sits and, and, and as hard as it is when you reveal hard things of our heart, the ugliness of our heart, Father, we pray that we wouldn't run so that we could accept truth, experience the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we could run to the whole city. We could run to everybody who's willing to listen. Make us people who run to our feet eventually. But first and foremost, Father, make us a people who drop to our knees. So thank you for this time, Father. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your patience for us and with us. We ask all these things in the Lord Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.